Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Today, we are really, really excited to have Mike and Julie Cigarelli with us from New York City right now. I just want to mention, you know, we, we, uh, uh, Mike was on staff at a church that we planted in Indiana for a couple of years. And then eight years ago, we sent him and planted him in New York City. So now they have a campus in New York City, a campus in Long Island, a campus in northern Indiana. And today they are opening a new campus, campus in Miami, Florida. Can you believe that? Right? Uh, they, Mike, most of you know, is an influencer on social media and just a great friend. And we are so glad to have him here. Would you please stand? Welcome, Mike and, and Julie. Mike, we want you to come. Give us the word. Inspire us. Right. Blessings. Love you. <laughs> come on. Can we all put our hands together for Jesus Christ all across this place? Come on. Get, a, get as loud as you can for Jesus Come on, 10 seconds of unadulterated worship. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you didn't come to see Mike Signorelli, but if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. Can somebody shout amen? Oh, you got to do better than that. Can someone shout amen? All right. It's, It's all right to talk back to me. See? Hey, I want to take a moment and just tell you how honored I am to have the opportunity to even share with you today. As a matter of fact, if my wife Julie and I lived here in Michigan, this would be our church because pastors Dwayne and Jeannie Vanderklok are our personal heroes. So can we just put it together and honor the mother and the father of this house? Come on, we honor you. Yes, come on. Can you all just take a few moments right now? Their commitment, their sacrifice, their vision. We're living in their yes, and I'm so thankful for it. I've preached, I've re-preached about 70% of his catalog of sermons, so it's only fitting that I actually show up and preach an original sermon of my own. We did achieve fastest growing church in America by just regurgitating Pastor Dwayne's messages, so praise God. (laughs) And I'm actually not kidding about that. So it's such an honor to be here. And if you're here visiting and and maybe you see me online and you said, I'm going to show up and hang out, would you consider making this church your home church? I really think that this is one of the greatest places. And my wife and I was thinking about this, Julie, in a way we have roots here in this house. And for years and years, we've just been gleaning from their lives and their ministry. So I'm going to jump into this message today. Hopefully you take notes. And I I believe in divine appointments. Does anybody else believe that there are dates in the calendar of your life where God changes something? He shifts you into another level and a new new way of seeing things. Today could very well be that day. And so I'm going to do an illustration for you that the Lord gave me. And I believe it's going to bring a lot of clarity to your life. You know, essentially, there's just three kinds of people that you're going to meet. As a matter of fact, everybody who can hear me right now, whether you're in the room or watching online, you really will have to make a choice which one of these three people you're going to be. 
And I'm just going to kind of jump into it because this first seat over here, this is the natural person. This person lives what I call the self-directed life. They have not received Jesus Christ and self right here is on the throne and self directs all their actions. They direct all their decisions. And oftentimes this results in frustration. Now the people who are sitting in this seat and, and there might be some in this audience and, but I, for sure, these are the people that you work with. These are the people that you go to school with. And these people, they're just not saved people. These people are just sitting in this seat because they are on the throne and they were making decisions for their own life. This was you before Jesus Christ. Now these people, they, they, okay. How, how real can we get? Can I be really real today? Because in order to preach this the right way, we're going to have to become friends. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. So, so I might have to offend you into your next level today. Is that all right? Can, can I, do I have permission to like cut you a little bit with the word? You're like, man, this New Yorker, he came out here and he cut me. Yes, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm going to offend you all the way to heaven instead of people pleasing you down to hell. Amen. Okay, come on. We're going to have to get sassy today. So carnal people, they drink a little. They smoke a little. Come on. I know that you guys don't have a problem with marijuana here in Michigan, but in New York City, it's a big deal. Okay, that was your cue to laugh. There's weed everywhere. I think I tripped over a dispensary on the way to church this morning. And the reason why people are smoking and drinking that sit in this seat is because they're trying to medicate their way through life, the pains, the trauma, the brokenness, and they're just trying to survive. Matter of fact, the, to be honest with you, a lot of these people are good people, but they think they need a little bit of THC, a little nicotine, a little alcohol to kind of get them through the day. And then when they're driving, they got a little bit of music playing. And sometimes they turn that music up on the way to work and it might be 7 a.m. and they're driving in the work. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And they got it rocking. Okay. Nobody knew that song. Y'all are probably Beyonce fans. Oh no, I know Taylor Swift. Yeah, there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans in this audience. The Lord rebuke you. <laughs> and so the, why, why do we have the music going? Well, because we have to drown out the noise of all the chaos and the anxiety that we encounter in life. And maybe Taylor and she can sing the right words and, you know, the old school rock and rollers. Maybe I can pump myself up to get through another day of using my back and going to, to work this job. And, and we're facing the pressures of life and we're sitting in this seat and we're trying to do the best that we can. Matter of fact, most people, I do revival events all over the world and people surrender drugs and crack pipes and paraphernalia and they surrendered at the altar and there's viral clips of people giving up their e-cigarettes. And when I talk to these people after the events, you know what they tell me? I don't want to do this, but it's the only way I feel like I can get through the day. And some of you all are judging people going to the dispensary, but your dispensary is called Starbucks. Oh, I got you. Oh, I got you. Some woman's like telling her husband right now, we, we got to leave. <laughs> you know, it's pick, pick your poison. The largest unregulated drug in the United States is caffeine. And so everybody's doing whatever they can in this seat just to get by. 
Okay, I got a scripture for those of you who are taking notes. Write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This, this letter is being written because there needs to be an understanding that, okay, here's what the verse says. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Everybody say this word, folly. They are folly to him, and he's not able to understand. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I want to go deep. Do I have your permission to go deep? Okay, so if you look at that word folly in the original language in which it was written, and you unpack it in the Greek, it means foolishness. But if you take that definition a little bit further, it means being ridiculous or being wildly unreasonable. Now, there's a difference between, hey, man, you're, you're going crazy, to you are being wildly unreasonable. So let me break it down for you. The people who are sitting in this seat, when they found out that you took a shower and put on nice clothes and you drove to the local church to sit and listen to a sermon and to sing songs like, Jesus, you're the only one, they don't just think you're an idiot. They think you are wildly unreasonable. You mean you weren't scheduled to go to work today and you decided to go to church? Oh, come on. All of your families must be saved. I've got some family members who aren't saved and they make sure I know about it every Christmas. When they say, wait a second, and these are the people sitting in this seat, they say, wait a second, you're telling me that you give your money to the local church? Are you kidding me? Your hard-earned money, you give, you, you act, yeah, I give my tithe and I give an offering. <gasps> More than 10%, are you crazy? Because look what it says, the things of the Spirit of God, they are foolishness, they are ridiculous, they are wildly unreasonable to people who are sitting in this seat. Now, okay, how, how, come on, come on, how sassy can I get? Am I among friends? Never mind the fact that the people sitting in this seat spend all their money on Bud Light. They spend all their money on nicotine, THC. Come on, they're tithing to Panera and don't even realize that they're giving 14% of all of their income to the Applebee's because they don't feel like cooking for their kids, but they're mad at you for doing the same thing for the local church. Oh, come on. Somebody's sending that clip to a family member right now. Yeah, you can slow clap it in. That's okay. You can clap today. Why am I saying? It sounds like I'm joking, but see what happens is when you're a believer, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and you know that with outstretched arms, Jesus Christ gave it all. You're like the least I can do is give my offering to local church. I don't even feel like it's enough. Not only that, but okay, it goes a step further. When you actually tell your loved ones and your coworkers, hey, not only do I go to church, but I get there early and I serve and I stay late. Oh, come on, we got some uh, volunteers in the house. They're like, wait a second. Okay, so let me get this straight. You use your free time on Sunday to go to church. And on top of that, you give them your money. And on top of that, you actually serve and stay late. Yeah, just like you do at the club and the bar. And they have to peel you away when you're in the stadium and you're cheering for your sports team. But my Jesus won it all. So I'm going to cheer as loud as I can for him and stay as late as I can because he gave all. I'm giving all. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. 
But see, the natural person, they do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. They're, uh, they're being ridiculous, wildly unreasonable, and they're not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So this is this seat right here. And most people that you meet are in this seat. Matter of fact, they have clubs. And this is, they have softball teams and they have soccer moms get-togethers, and uh, they have Kiwana and Key Club, and they go to the YMCA, and they just have their, you know, they have their AA groups, and they have their meetings and their clubs, and they have their nonprofits, and they have community. We're building community, and they have groups that they identify with, and they have their own flags, and they have their own uh, shirts, and they have their own regalia, and they come together, and they have community, which is why they don't understand what we're doing right now is supernatural and spiritual in the local church. But then there's another seat. Oh, I'm, I, I know that you're just getting to know me and I'm really praying that you don't just turn off and stop listening to me because the reality is I'm going to show you what the seat is. And most of you are in this seat. Can I go there? Okay. Now listen, I'm going to help you but I can't, we can't heal it until we reveal it. You can't get a breakthrough until you acknowledge you need a breakthrough. And most of us are in this seat because they're over here. I want to rock it. Okay. I forgot your Beyonce fans, all the single ladies. I just embarrassed myself. You see, do anything to keep you with me. But you're, they're turning up their music, they're smoking a little, they're drinking a little, and they're trying to get by life medicating the pain, which is why this middle seat, this is the carnal Christian. Oh, see, it got real quiet in the room. This is the carnal Christian. This is the person, they've received Christ, but they actually live in defeat because they're trying to live the Christian life through their own strength. So we have music too. And when we're on our way to work, we turn our music up. I'm no longer a slave to fear. That's somebody's favorite. Um, you unravel me. You hear, oh, oh, this is my jam. I'm going to make it through the day. Come on, Lord. I'm going to make it today. Okay. I know we got some old school people. Shout to the Lord. On the okay. Yeah. The front row. Old school. You know, we have our favorite songs. And then, oh, here's the spiritual warfare crowd speaking in tongues on the way to work. This is how we fight our battles. You know, have you ever been on a car ride and you forgot how you got there because you're so in the spirit? You're like, Lord, that was dangerous. Thank you. Jesus literally took the wheel. I don't know what just happened. You ever do that? Tears are coming down. You're like, I'm driving while intoxicated by the Holy Ghost. Don't do that. But carnal Christians who sit in the seat, they're strivers. I have to try harder. I have to fast more. I have to read the Bible more. It's a condemnation and guilt and shame-based existence. And sometimes you'll even stop going to church because maybe you relapsed and you smoke a little, drink a little. And maybe you got back in that seat for a moment and you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can show my face around there because I'm not a good enough Christian. Oh, come on. It's getting quiet in the room. Here's what it says, though. This is the person who received Christ, but they actually they're they're really living in defeat and they're just striving and they're trying their hardest. Jesus is in their life, but he's not on the throne. They're on the throne. Oh, you know what my favorite is in Christian culture? When you give somebody the word of God and they say, um, you know, 
I just, I'm trying to, I'm hoping for a prophetic dream. I'm hoping for a sign from God. You're like, you don't need a sign. Just open your Bible. He's speaking right now. You can hear his voice if you read the Bible out loud. Amen. (laughs) And so these people really, they're on the throne. How many people have made decisions out of error saying the Lord told me so? Isn't it? Oh, come on. I have to go here. I forget I'm not at my church. I hope I don't offend you in the wrong way, but I hope I offend you in the right way. People in this seat, you know what they say? They say things like, God told me so. Isn't it amazing that their Holy Spirit only ever tells them to do what they already want to do? My Holy Spirit tells me what I don't want to do. He was like, oh yeah, I want you to give more. I want you to serve more. I want you to go deeper. I want you to dedicate. I want you to commit. And it's funny because their Holy Spirit, which I think is actually a familiar spirit, it's probably a demonic spirit, is feeding their flesh, not their spirit. The fruit of it is the works of division and malice and strife and envy and jealousy. And I'm like, who, what Holy Spirit are you listening to? Because it's not the same one actually correcting me. Can I get an amen? But people sitting in this seat, They'll say things like that. Well, the Lord told me. I'm like, which one? (laughs) Because there's principalities, powers, and rulers in high places. And you heard from a power, but the wrong one. And so this carnal Christian is somebody that, okay, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 in a moment. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. But before I read it, I just want to help you understand who this person is. You know, the Bible says that broad is the road. Many people are going to walk that broad road. Only a few are going to be on the narrow road. So the reality is most Christians end up in this seat, even if you didn't start here. This seat, you're a critic. I mean, you're very critical. This seat, you're listening to sermons, not to learn, but to blog. Some people only take notes on sermons to blog about them nowadays. Did you know that? Isn't that disgusting? And there's people, there's cancel culture and there's call out culture and there's the heresy hunters. And they, they know the Bible in a way that none of us could possibly ever know it because they know it in the true way. And we don't. And people who sit in this seat end up very critical. It's the music's too loud. It's too quiet. The songs are wrong selection. The sermon's not right. And they become critics. Can I just tell you, I would rather be a chef than a food critic. I'd rather be a literary author than a literary critic. You know, is there anybody here that's like, Lord, I don't want to become that kind of person, jaded, hardened heart. I want to be the kind of person that keeps my heart soft before the Lord in a, in a posture of humility, operating in wisdom. Am I the only one? But when you sit in this seat, When you sit in this seat, it's very easy to become a critic. It's very easy to become somebody who's always looking and poking holes instead of somebody. Well, matter of fact, do you remember when you first got saved? The joy of your salvation? Do you remember when you didn't care what song was playing? You were just weeping and you were singing every song because the Lord had done something. Do you remember when it didn't even matter what the sermon was about? You just wanted to learn the word of God. Do you remember the joy of your salvation? The people who sit in this seat will actually exchange the joy of their salvation for the, the, for the, the audience that you gather by becoming a critic. They would rather actually become friends with people over what they don't like than actually 
move in the presence of God and do what God's called them to do. How many of you know we don't need more critics? We, meet, we need more prophets. We need more, more evangelists. We need more people righteously speaking the word of God and laying hands and praying. We need more signs, miracles, wonders, deliverance, healing. We need people that are going to move in the power of God, not in the persuasion of their criticism. Oh, oh I feel the anointing. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one through three. This is how the apostle, I believe the tone by which he was writing it. And I'm going to read it the way that I think he intended it. And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to whittle men of flesh, as infants, whittle babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Yes, indeed, you're still not able because you're fleshly. Okay, I have a 16-year-old. Her name's Bella. She's in the audience. Shout out, Bella. And Bella is getting ready to learn how to drive. Pray for me, guys. And as she's getting ready to learn how to drive, you know, sometimes when you're a parent and, and somebody thinks that they're big, you're like, you're not ready for a car. I tried to trust you with driving, but you already messed up on your cell phone, Bella. You think you're a big girl, but you're a little girl. Many of you have heard this scripture, milk versus meat, but I want to give you a new revelation on an old scripture. And here's the revelation I want to give you is that we've said, oh, I'm leaving this church because they don't preach the meat of the word. They only preach the milk. But you know what's ironic about making a statement like that? You, you're actually taking it out of context because what this scripture actually says is milk versus meat is not how articulate the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the authorial intent, the historic context. It's not how much of a wizard I am with words. It's not how I can wow you and razzle and dazzle you with how articulate I am. Milk versus meat has nothing to do with the preacher. It has everything to do with the hearer. Are you operating in the flesh or are, are you operating in the spirit? And this is what it actually says. It says, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able for you are still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly or are you not walking like mere men? So you've had people say, well, they're not preaching the word. No, the real question is, are you living the meat? If you're living the meat, that means you are submitted and surrendered to Jesus Christ. It's not how good I can preach. It's how good you can walk it out. Because you got Christians that know Greek, but they don't know God. They're going to be casting out demons. They're going to be doing signs, miracles, and wonders, and they're going to get to on Judgment Day, and the Lord's going to say, oh yeah, you went viral on YouTube, but depart from me, for I never knew you. Oh, do you still love me? And I have to say this, because, you know, Pastor Dwayne, I think over the last couple of decades, my observation is that more people are getting into this seat, and it's dangerous because it will rob you of the joy of the Lord. It will rob you of your potential and your destiny. Okay, I want to tell you, when I first got saved at 15 years old, I really surrendered my life to Christ. And I think I was in this seat. And I was always judging. You know, my mom used to take us to these small storefront Pentecostal churches. Those churches are wild. They didn't even have kids ministry. 
And I would get in trouble all the time. You know, back in our day, we didn't even have ADD. You were just a bad kid. <laughs> Nobody was empathetic, <laughs> you know? And I, and I remember just hating church, not wanting to go to church. Couldn't understand. Why is everybody shouting? What's the big deal? I don't know what's going on. I think I would, but I did surrender my life to Jesus Christ, but I was a carnal Christian, always judging, always criticizing, couldn't understand it. But how many of you know that you'll be faced with impossible situations in life that will force you to make a choice. I'm either going to go back to this seat or I'm going to operate in the spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, you got the friend who prays too loud. Well, get a cancer diagnosis and which friend are you going to call? You got the person that fasts too much. You got the person that reads the Bible too much. You got that person who's always inviting you to church that you can't stand. Well, go through a divorce and, and all your friends leave you and, and see who you call. They'll be looking for you. There's something about impossible situations that challenge this seat. So here's what happened in my life. I was raised by a single mother on welfare. Uh, she had actually married multiple abusive stepdads. So there was a lot of trauma and a lot of pain in my house. And I remember just suffering through that and just eating out of pantries at local churches and just struggling in life. Well, finally, as a teenager, we were trying to walk this thing out. We were trying to live this Christian life. And my mom was trying to raise her, her family up. And, and she was doing this now as a single mother. And the last uh, marriage had ended in divorce and he had left. And right at that point of impossibility, it got worse. She got a medical diagnosis and the doctors told her that there are tumors and cysts all in her womb and that she was going to have to go through a surgery. And then on the other side of the surgery, she would be bedridden because the extent of the tumors and cysts. Well, immediately we said, oh no, we're going to lose our only source of income, which means we're not going to be able to provide. And you know, when you have five children under the age of 18 and no income and no parent, guess what they do? They break up your family. And so I remember us saying, this is impossible. How are we going to make it? Isn't it funny that when you squeeze the olive, it reveals the oil. There's something about a crushing that produces oil. And I remember I was sitting in this seat and I was like wrestling with this. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? Finally, we got to Masonic Hospital in Chicago. And we were in Masonic Chicago uh, Hospital and, you know, they, the, the actual surgeon comes out and he says, you know, hey, your mother's going to go through this surgery. It's going to be several hours. And then when it's over, we'll come and get you and we'll give you an update on it and everything should be okay. All of a sudden, I remember I begin to operate in faith for one of the first times in my life. And I looked at this doctor and I said, when you open up my mother, you will not find any tumors and cysts. Jesus is going to supernaturally heal her. Oh, come on. You're all clapping right now because you're spirit filled believers and you probably already know the end of the story, but there was no audience. There was no keyboard player. It was just me saying, what did I just say? Because the first moment you begin to operate in the spiritual dimension, it's going to feel so foreign to your physical body that immediately after you do it, you're going to be like, what did I just do? And the doctor said, uh, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, yeah. And I could honestly think because he was sitting in this seat, 
I just said something wildly unreasonable to him. This is a medical doctor. This is a surgeon with all of his education. And so when I told him, you're going to open up my mother and not find any tumors in cysts, and you'll know that Jesus did it. He said, I can't discern the things of the spirit. Just like the scriptures say, it's wildly unreasonable. He, he probably thought this kid is a psychopath. Well, guess what? I was learning how to be crazy. I was losing my mind for the sake of Christ. Come on, if being in my right mind means being heavily medicated nowadays and full of anxiety and depression and fear, how about we all lose our minds for the sake of Christ together? Do I have any crazy ones here today right now? And I begin to operate in faith. And so they wheeled her off to surgery and several hours later they came to get me. Now here in America, when they come and get you afterwards and they, they usually just give you an update, but sometimes they'll ask you to go to another room. And typically, and for those of you in the medical field, you know this, when they ask you to go to another room, it's probably because your loved one died and they're going to break the news to you. So when he came to where it wasn't him, it was actually one of the medical staff came and they said, uh, we want to speak to you in another room. My heart sank. And I thought, oh no, they're going to tell me that I lost my mom. And so with full of fear, I walked into this other room. And as I got there, uh, the surgeon walked in the door and he came in and he said, I need to ask you, what did you tell me before we did the surgery? Say it again. And I said, well, I told you that when you open up my mom, you're not going to find any tumors and cysts and you're going to know that Jesus healed her. He said, can we just take a seat? <laughs> This is a real story from my life. It's one of the most incredible stories of my life, but I want to illustrate. So he's in this seat and I'm still in this seat. And he said, you know, I just, I want to tell you the story of what happened. He goes, I went to go cut your mother in the area that we always do this incision. It's standard procedure for the surgery. And I heard the voice of my head nurse and she told me, don't cut her there, cut her in another location. And so I trust my head nurse. That's her job to know these things. And so I did it. And then when I cut your mother in that other area, that's not standard. Actually, I saw that there was a main artery running another direction. And if I would have done the standard incision, she would have bled out and died on the table and hemorrhage. And there's no way we could have stopped it. So then I looked up to the head nurse and I said, Hey, thanks for that information. And the head nurse says, what do you mean? I didn't say anything. <laughs> Come on. The atmosphere begins to shift when you start stepping into the spiritual dimension. Come on. Something begins to happen when you glorify Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit walks up in the room. You can feel the atmosphere shifting right now. Some of you are going to be healed in your body before this message is even over. So then he goes, the next thing is I go into your mother to remove the tumors and cysts. And all I could hear is your voice saying, you're not going to fight. How oh, it makes you want to cry. He says, all I could hear was your voice saying, you're not going to find him. And he goes, you don't understand. We have the scans. We knew it. We don't, we, 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 this is standard. He goes, but when I opened up your mother, there were no tumors and no cysts, just like you said. 
And he said, this is, now this is crazy. He said, no, you said Jesus was going to do this. I'm a Muslim. And he said, it, it wasn't Jesus. I said, oh no, it wasn't Jesus, the prophet of Islam. It was Jesus, the Messiah, the savior of the world. He has shown you here today, his mighty hand and his power. Can someone shout hallelujah if you believe it? I told that Muslim doctor, I, I, I kid you not, because now my faith, I, I went from fear to faith real quick. How many of you know when you stand in front of the Red Sea of impossibility, there might be a few seconds where nothing happens, but God will never abandon you in front of the Red Sea. Baby, you just keep holding on and you wait because God will split that Red Sea. And I'll tell you what, I told this doctor, I said, I'm going to go to, I'm going to get you a Bible and I'm coming back to Masonic hospital. I'm going to give you a Bible because you're going to become a Christian. Why, why do I say this? I say this because when you're in this seat, you become so critical that you forget that your life is supernatural. You forget that if you're not having fun as a Christian, you're doing it wrong. This should be a wildly um, expectant life. It should be this adventure of like, yeah, I'm going to work and you're going to work. But guess what? When we get there, you're stuck with me. Spirit break out. You know, it's like Paul and Silas are in that jail cell and they're saying, oh, all these prisoners are stuck with us. It's a worship service up in here. Break every chain, break every, you know. There's something different. It's like you, we play our music, you play your music, but we're not a community like they're a community. We're not a nonprofit like they're a nonprofit. We are the body of Jesus Christ covenanted to him. We are the bride of Jesus. We are not the same as their groups. We are a body. Can I get a amen? So do you, I, here's the thing. I want to help you understand this because this seat, oh, I hate this seat. Because in this seat, all you have is conferences and good songs, but they have conferences and good songs here. If you'll get up out of this seat today before this message is over and you do the thing that I'm going to ask you to do, I believe your life can change forever because this seat will rob you of all of what God has for you. I'm here to tell you here in Michigan, you have the conditions for revival. I'm here to tell you in New York City, when I showed up, they said the average church attendance is 30 people. And they, they try to put Saul's armor on me. You know, before you go fight a, a, a Goliath, a giant, there's always going to be carnal Christians who tell you what God can't do. When you were in the world, it was like, man, sometimes some of you got more support at the local bar than you do at the local church. Thank God for this house. But I'll tell you, the, the, the pastors of New York City, they told me, they said, Mike, average church attendance is 30 people. Don't, you know, hey, just we want to set the expectation. Don't think that you're going to come here and, and you're going to see, you know, it's, you just got to adjust your expectation. And I said, like, David, I don't prove your armor. I'm going to go kill this giant. And I'll tell you why. Because New York City's full of Muslims, but I already seen a Muslim come to Christ in Masonic Hospital in Chicago, and I believe that God can do it again. Come on, when you tell a testimony, the Bible says it becomes the spirit of prophecy declaring God do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. If he healed them, he's going to heal me. He's no respecter of persons. If their son got saved, my son's going to get saved. If their daughter came to faith, my daughter's going to come to faith. God, do it again. Somebody shout, do it again. Come on. And so you got to get up out of this seat. 
But let me just tell you, there's one more seat. And here's the thing about this seat. This seat right here, you don't actually sit in this seat. This is not for you. You're not on the throne. He's on the throne. And what you do, and I'm, ta I'm talking to somebody right now, when you decide I'm going to be stop being a carnal Christian and start being a spirit-filled, spirit-led believer, you come down on your knees before this seed and you say, God, you are on the throne. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. It may look impossible around me. I don't need just another worship song. I don't need another conference. I'm going to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray and I'm going to submit and surrender until you do what only you can do, God. God, I believe that the miraculous is going to happen through you, Jesus. This is what this seat is right here. This is one where the Holy Spirit directs this. He's the Jesus is on the throne. I'm yielding to Jesus. He is the influence of my life. He's the direction of my life in this seat. Oh, all fear begins to melt away. The Bible says that when you lose your life, that's when you found it. Do you know why Gen Z is suffering with so much anxiety right now? Because they've been taught that they should make their life. The Bible doesn't say make a life. It says lose it. God, whatever you will, I'm not going to be driven by success. I'm going to be led by your spirit. In this, when you get down on your knees like this and you begin to pray, the supernatural realm begins to open. The impossible becomes possible. And then you will see that, man, this is such an amazing life. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 15 and 16, it says, but the spiritual man judges all things, examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. And it says this, for who has known the mind and the purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him, but he has the mind of Christ and he's guided by his thoughts. Another scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Can someone say amen? So when God's moving, you're saying, God, you have a plan. I don't even have to understand it because I'm submitted to you. There's many of you that have been saying, how is this healing going to happen in my body? Well, guess what? I want to introduce you to the healer. Come on. If you have the healer, you'll get a healing. Some of you are like, I need deliverance. But if you get the deliverer, you'll have deliverance. See, wherever there is Jesus, when you have him, you have everything. And this is the last verse that I have for you because we're getting ready to pray. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Everybody say this phrase with me. Walk by the spirit. Come on, say it with me at the same time. Now walk by the spirit. Say it one more time. Walk by the spirit. This is what God has designed for your life, that you would walk by the spirit. Oh Lord, I don't know what I'm walking into. He says, take my hand. I'll lead you. 
Perfect love casts out all fear. See, when I took that first step to walk by the Spirit, my mother's healing was on the other side of it. You will have what you say. The Lord was teaching me the power of life and death is in your tongue. I desire to heal. I need you to cooperate. Don't speak curses. Speak the blessing of the Lord. Release my favor. Release my healing power. Some of you have been cooperating with the flesh, but the Lord is trying to awaken you right now to walk by the Spirit. The last story I have for you is there was a friend uh, at the church. His name's EJ. He was leading worship on our V1 Church live stream. And I thought that he was singing in Spanish. And I said, oh, this sounds so good. So I get up on stage and I say, EJ, keep, keep singing, keep singing. Uh, and, and I thought he was singing in Spanish. When it was over, EJ came to me and he said, Pastor Mike, that was crazy. I never sang in tongues before. I said, EJ, I thought you were singing in, in Spanish. He said, oh no, I, I was singing in tongues. And then while that conversation was happening, he gets a text message from his sister. His sister said, EJ, when did you learn Portuguese? He's like, I don't, I don't know Portuguese. She goes, I'm watching the V1 live stream and you're singing a phrase in Portuguese over and over and over again. And he said, well, I thought I was speaking in tongues. What was I saying? She said, you were singing the phrase, I give all of my adoration to you. The gifts of the Spirit are real. It's real. The things of the Spirit are real. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Because I hope that I ignited something in you. I hope that I, I helped you understand that God wants you to walk by the Spirit. Because living this life where it's just Christian flavored, well, we might as well go to the Taylor Swift concert together. If all it is is a good song, no, it's we have the one that we are singing the song to in our midst. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you begin to sing, it's because you're acknowledging the king is in the room. <laughs> Hallelujah. And where he is, there's healing and there's freedom. There's some of you here. You don't know him. Maybe you're here, but he revealed himself to you by the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here who would just lift up their hand right now and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to get out of this seat. I don't want to be this person. I can't accept a counterfeit comfort. I can't keep smoking and drinking my way through life. I can't just hope that it's going to get better by medicating anymore. I need Jesus. Lift up your hand. Who is it? Even if there's just one, come on, lift up your hand. Praise God. I see you. I see you. Now for the rest of you who are in this middle seat, who are like, I don't know how I got in this seat, Pastor Mike, but I felt the fire of the Holy Spirit when you were preaching, deep calls to deep. Something inside of me was reawakened. I want the joy of my salvation. I want to step into the gifts of the Spirit. I want to bring revival to my workplace, revival to my school. I want to do what God called me to do. I want to see signs, miracles, wonders, and healing because Jesus is in our midst. Would you just lift both hands towards heaven right now? Oh, wow. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to begin to pray. Miracles are going to break out. Some of you are going to be healed in your body. But more than anything, we want Jesus. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I submit and surrender my whole life, all my trauma, all my pain, all my past. I crucify this flesh with all its desires. I give you everything, Jesus. Have your way in my life. 
Ignite me with your fire. Holy Spirit, take over. Have your way in Jesus' name. Now, come on, let me pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for healing bodies right now under the sound of my voice. Headaches and migraine and pain gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for breaking every bondage and every pain. And Father, I thank you for healing and restoring them right now. Lord, I thank you from the top of their head to the soles of their feet that they are being made whole right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you just received it, can you put your hands together all across this place come on can we just give God 20 seconds of worship come on praise him for the victory praise him in advance if your children are coming home to be saved if your body's being healed and restored if the curse is broken if you're the generational curse breaker come on can you just clap your hands and celebrate lift up your voice to heaven right now come on hallelujah come on dig in Jesus we thank you hallelujah Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.